The Awesome Toy Show is a premier pop culture event in Mississauga, Ontario. With a unique blend of vendors, artists, cosplay contests, hourly raffle prizes, and live entertainment, they provide an awesome show experience for everyone involved. Their event is also driven with a charitable cause as they partner with the Toronto Community Housing to gather toy donations and directly give back to those in need. Their next show is on Sunday, March 26th at the Small Arms Inspection Building in Mississauga, where there will be a giveaway for WrestleMania Hollywood. Also, their special featured guest that day will be a four-time Emmy Award-winning TV host, Chris Van Cleef. You will be doing an official meet and greet along with a Q&A session for everyone in attendance. In addition to that, they will have special featured guests from Impact Wrestling, current X Division Champion Trey Miguel, along with Aiden Prince doing meets and greets as well. You do not want to miss their next show, so go over to www.awesometoyshow.ca and follow their Instagram at The Awesome Toy Show for daily updates leading up to Sunday, March 26th, where we will be in-house SM&E, and it's guaranteed to be... Awesome! I came to I play! Came to play! There's a price to pay! Time for you to get down on your knees! Worried that you might be the cool kid You wear the latest fashions on top of all the trends Or have you ever worried you were too much in the mainstream Always so generic, more normal than your friends Well we've devised a test to put the rest your fears There's no need to panic if you lend us your ears Tonight you can't sleep easy after all that you've heard Cause if you like the show then you're probably a nerd Podcast, the show where you chat about anything and everything. We're your hosts, I'm Boris, and this week I am joined by Phil. Tag Tyler, you're it. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> How's it going, Phil? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Uh, busy Monday to say the least, uh, but outside of that, I cannot complain whatsoever. Had a good relaxing weekend, spent it with friends, uh, kind of just on the chill side of stuff, uh, and today just just back at it again. Another busy week, I think. Uh, I think mm. this is the last week of like insanity, and then hopefully next week can get back to a little normal, um, but outside of that, you know, everything's good. Uh, how was your weekend? Hey, well, first of all, I got to say, started building some Lego. Haven't done that in a while, as you know. You you monitor my channels. Yes. And I'm like, I haven't been producing Lego on my Palpatine Phil Instagram. So, anyhow, this weekend, I, I still haven't posted many pictures, but I uh, finished off a set that I've been working on for a while, and I threw on the It's Canon podcast. Hmm? <laughs> so... I'm happy to inform you, the audience can't see me right now, but I have some red sunglasses on to contain the laser beams <laughs> of Cyclops here. So <laughs> I'm uh, yep. 
I'm working on that. And I was sitting there waiting for my turn to jump into the conversation. I don't know how many times while listening back to the you two guys go on and on. Well, who the heck is playing Gotham Knights? <laughs> and I'm like, I am. Well, I-, I did say. Hold on. You did say. I did say. Phil, you didn't say me, but you said people who bought it on sale, which is how I got it. Yep, exactly. (laughs) So anyhow, I I appreciated that, and I I just laughed out loud because I'm like, I would have been all over on that one. But yeah, it's it's been, I'm actually, I haven't let you guys really know or the audience, but I've been having a time playing games lately. Like, I'm playing a lot between the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Game Pass. You know, I haven't played it yet, but I downloaded Wulong last night, and I downloaded Atomic Hearts. Haven't played it yet, but those ones are all on Game Pass, so I thought, why the heck not? not? And I did watch the Sony State of Play, and I did have thoughts and feelings about what I saw with Suicide Squad, Mm -hmm. and the reason why the internet's upset, and I can actually understand it, is because... It made every single superpower person, like the best thing about the other games they made is that you felt like the superhero, you felt like, I believe they did the Batman series, right? Yep. You felt like you were Batman, you had superpower or the powers of Batman. Whereas with um, the Suicide Squad, it looks like everybody just shoots a gun. Yeah. So it's kind of like between that and the whole game dynamic of always online and the micro transactions for everything. Uh, people are already poo-pooing on it, and I, I don't blame them because they're charging top dollar. So I, I'm, I'm just tired of it as a gamer. That you come after me, you raise the price of video games, which isn't the end of the world, but... You raise the price, you make, you know, we wait so long for the game and then we get it into microtransaction hell mm-hmm. with stuff like this. And then the developer just says, oh, well, we got it wrong. And then they walk away from the project like Square Enix is doing with the Avengers. And, you know, they already shut down the one for that godforsaken PS5 game that they just released like two months ago. They already dissolved the studio this week. <laughs> like, yep, Exactly. How crazy is uh, that? Forspoken. Like, oh my gosh, people. And, and you look at the other games. I forget. I didn't even hear of this one releasing. The Babylon game or whatever. The the the, the, the game where they just basically said at the end of full one year, we're folding up the whole online world. Like, we are abandoning the servers. Yep. I, it's a brutal state for top dollar games. I gotta say. It's one thing if you're free to play or whatever, like, you know, an idea like Fortnite is, and you walk away from the business model, but you never charge people. But even then, they invested in these packs. But wow, man, tough sell. Yeah, no, it's crazy, man. Like, yeah, the the state of video games right now, just because there's so much money in it right now, there's so much attention towards it that I don't know. It just seems like it's uh, a mess. Like it's it's really a mess, right? Like. Uh, there's just a lot of pressure on so many studios right now. Uh, and then, you know, I think everyone's just trying to avoid the cyberpunk situation and that, like, mm-hmm. release hell and things like that. But I don't know. 
it's 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 for sure something that we got to take a closer look at, right? Because some something something it's it's weird right now. I don't know the video game industry yeah, like, right now is just weird. One company that's really confusing me, and I I I know we might talk about it later or or whatever, but I'll bring it up. Square Enix, right? Like they're making moves to get rid of their CEO already, and you think, oh, exhale. This is the guy that kept on talking about going down the road of NFTs. Yep. And who do they have coming in? His little protege, who they just brought in from another company, doesn't know the company at all. And basically, all of his previous work was about chasing down NFTs. So it's like yep. Square Enix appear to be making this leadership change and blaming the leader for all these failed title launches. You know, the only thing that they seem to get any traction on lately is Final Fantasy. Every that's other project bread is and basically DOA. Yeah. Yep. That's look at Avengers, right? Yep. Like Square Enix exactly. doesn't There's... have a lot of good luck outside of Final Fantasy and maybe a couple other games here and there. But even look at Tomb Raider and stuff, right? Yeah. Well, they sold off Crystal Dynamics exactly. for a song. Exactly. Like the only they sold off. Edios, who did the um, who did the Guardians of the Galaxy for them, because that was a disappointing sales thing, and they sold those things for millions of dollars. Those studios, and they included the property, they included yep. the game licenses. So these houses are going to get picked up, and then they're going to sit there. They already got picked up. They already got sold. They're going to keep on going with the franchise. I don't understand the business model. You're not even retaining the IP. So. You're ditching the houses and the IP. I I'm very confused about Square Enix as a company. I always have been. Even with the Final Fantasy games, I keep on trying to love them. But I just find that the wall is too high. The the garden wall on those games is a little bit tough for me to get my head around. It's just such a entrenched system. It is. It is. You know, like this new one looks interesting for the PS5. 16 or whatever with the battle system but i don't know how many times do i have to sit here and talk to myself and go oh maybe i'll try this final fantasy version and then find out all the reasons why it's not for me i'm gonna sit back a little more in the armchair and look at this mm -hmm. no for sure until look well, rpgs aren't for everyone right like they're mm -hmm. even the term based right once right like they're like yeah. they're just not for everybody and that's okay but you know the thing is, those games on paper often look very cool, very fun, and it's it just kind of like disappointing almost, right? Well, that you don't like them. Uh, my nephew's the same way, right? Like, he'll play them, but it's kind of like, eh, type of thing. Uh, it, for me, um, what I derive video gaming as is a pastime. And yes. a pastime for me is is it's got to be action-filled. That's my, that's my biggest check mark. So when I'm playing a game, if I have to sit there and read more than I have to interact. So I'm reading a lot of stat screen. I'm reading a lot of information, having a tough time digesting it. And there's no ability to change the font or the font size and things like that that they don't really consider where some houses do. Some video game houses are really good. God well of War, Ragnarok and stuff. For sure, really good about accessibility, and that's that's but, also kind of like dependent on your on the laws on on stuff, right? Because like for example, yeah. 
you know, here in Ontario, we have very strict accessibility laws that if you, I, I don't remember whether you have to, whether you're licensed here or what, pay taxes here. I don't know what guidelines they use, but there are very strict accessibility rules, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure it's the well, same with video games. In California, they're very strict. Uh, in certain places, super strict. And in other places, it's not so much of an issue just yet. Yeah, I, I think it's in their best interest to give people options. And I'm not even talking about accessibility, controller, and things like that to those degrees, even though those are nice. I just want to be able to move the font around, especially if you're on a 4K display. And it comes up like the typeface is just itty-bitty, 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 going further and further away from you. <laughs> what game recently was like that? Uh, Cyberpunk. That was... but Cyberpunk you were, was a little bit of a mindful, yeah. Gotham Knights was a little like that at times. Can be. Can be. But it's basically... Gotham Knights, I'm finding more and more, is just smash buttons hit people. Yep. So I'm happy with it. It's it gets like, repetitive oh, after a while. But you know what you're getting, right? Yep. Exactly. Yeah, why do you think I've been playing Forza Horizon 5? <laughs> it's like, know what's going on in there. Hey, once I know all about it, like, hey, Division 2, yeah, I was in the stats. Yeah. I was sitting there figuring out armor sets and things like that. But it ramped into it. These, these RPG games don't do a very good job onboarding. The best one I've seen so far is like maybe Monster Hunter. That one's being pretty good at taking you from a smash buttons and then gradually increasing the level of complexity to the game or like Horizon, that type of thing. You know, those types of games that become a little more RPG but action elements. So hopefully, hopefully Final Fantasy... Figures out a way to get to get couchers like me on board. Yeah, they, it, well, we'll see. We'll see. The thing is, like, they don't stray from their formula, right? So uh, it looks like they are a little bit in the a combat, little bit. So a little bit. We'll see what happens. So what have you been up to, dude? So busy with work. Honestly, it's been heads down with work. The little time I have, and I've been falling asleep so early just because of how busy I've been. I'm just exhausted by like nine, ten p.m. I'll wake up. But that initial sleep happens so early right now. Um, but, yeah, I, what have I been playing? I've been playing The Last of Us Part 1, the PS5 remake. That's been a lot oh. of fun. Um, yeah. Spending a lot of time there revisiting Resident Evil Village. That's been good, too. Uh, what else have I been playing? Got to look over. That's it for now. Yeah. It's and still then, pretty full playing card. Yeah. Then every once in a while, when I hate myself, I'll play Returnal for a few hours and remember why I hate that game. I. But the mood is so good. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, it's. It's just got this comfort level to it. It's like when I play the Dead Space remake and then I get scared shitless for a couple hours and. <laughs> right. And sleep evades me. <laughs> I had to watch Last of Us today during the day. <laughs> I was just like, nope, not going to bed to that one. <laughs> yeah, let's we'll talk about that. Uh, let's talk yeah. about it now. Last of Us episode number eight. Oh, so well done. Couple things, um, no real complaints, right? It was very cool seeing Troy Baker 
For those of you who don't know, mm-hmm. Troy Baker uh, was kind of like the secondary douche in this episode, uh, and he was the original voice and of the voice of Joel in the video games. Yep, he does does a lot of work. Yeah, in the video game industry. Yeah, tons of work. Tons yeah. of work. He's in Uncharted. He's he's in everything. He's in everything. He's in everything. <laughs> yeah. Has a very successful podcast as well. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was cool seeing him. It was very cool seeing him. Uh, he did a very good job there. Uh, but the episode itself, right? Like, I think the changes they made and to compact everything that happened, you know, was yeah. very smart, very well done. You know, Ellie traumatized and then i think that that really played off well right um uh, and i really enjoyed it really enjoyed the episode huge shift for the ellie character really setting this finale up and right like we're, we're really starting to see the ellie that we see in the second game now yeah like this was a complaint that I've seen or an observation. Nobody's really complaining about the show from what I can see. Well, nobody that I care about, put it that way. But uh, I'm seeing that people are saying that they're a little bit creeped out by how long Ellie's taking to come around. They weren't sure if it was written that way or if it was Bella Ramsey's interpretation of the character or you know the show's interpretation of it, whatever. But we know that she's going to come around and you could already feel her character was coming around to where she's at emotionally in the last of us. Uh, she's a little bit quicker in, in the game, but mm-hmm. with this, this episode, you could, I uh, I don't know. I, I, I was happy to have to consult the box at Kleenex because, um, it was just overwhelmingly, good on that front to see that that connection is finally at its pinnacle where it needs to be walking into this final episode yep that's exactly it i think there was a couple things right i think they wanted to wait for this moment for joel and ellie's relationship to really flourish right where we get yeah you know the, the the huge line at the end where he's like essentially the father figure now right um, I think they wanted to do last week's episode and everything that happened in the mall to show you how Ellie has progressed, where she came from, mm-hmm. and her being forced to mature, uh, you know, various times. Yeah. So I think that it was just a lot of roads coming together right now in that specific moment at the very end of the episode. Uh, so I think that it was done on purpose overall. Uh, and it really will lead to a very emotional finale because, well, you know, it's, 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 for those who have played the game, know exactly more or less what's going to come. Uh, and, uh, you know, where the characters are right now, it's going to lead for a very impactful, uh, ending. Yep. And, and I'll say this in summary because I'd forgotten, I haven't looked at, the video game like I, i've dabbled around with the ps5 version but i've not gone to this stage where any there's a lot of gameplay a lot of differences between the show and the game the show is just much more efficient at stuff as it needs to be mm-hmm. and 
I'd forgotten about this episode, and then I rem- I remembered it just as it was getting going, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, just like you summarized, how are they going to get through this? Like, is this going to be stretching over the this episode and next episode, then they're going to be rushing the ending, or is next episode going to be three hours long? Because there's easily some of the most traumatic and intense gameplay and gameplay dynamics are done on this level. And the story arc, everything just really comes to a climax in this level on that front, right? Because you have to resolve this issue with Pedro or with Joel and and things like that with his injury. and, And Ellie has just so much that she has to experience in this episode, but they did it wonderfully. I got to say they got, they hit all the points that I felt it was very complete. It reminded me of the game. And I was just like, it's exactly what I've told all my friends going into it without a spoiler saying the things you need to fear the most in the show are not the zombie cortisone things. The things you need to fear the most in the show are going to be the people. Right? Like, they are the thing that gave me the most unsettled feeling in the, in playing this game the first time through. It was just how disappointed I was with how humanity turns on itself. Yes. Right? Because the zombie, the, the cortisone zombie things, the fungus people... Want to eat the people now? The people want to eat the people. Everybody's eating people, right? That that's the most <laughs> fucked up part, right? It's seeing just how how humanity just falls and and folds on itself, right? Like I think that's to me the biggest takeaway, right? And it's a similar yep. look. The Walking Dead did this as well, right? Yep. And that's the beauty of these shows, where it's more about the civilization or lack thereof. Uh, that takes over the everything else. Here in Last of Us, it, we get we get it to the extreme, right? Yeah, I, I I like Walking Dead did a great job of this, but you're right. I like the the tone on this because this was the one that I had the most visceral response to in the playout. Like it, it, Walking Dead was just starting to be a show. It was already the comic. It was just starting to get momentum around the time that I was playing this game. This game held my attention much better. Yeah. Yeah. So I I know that a lot of gamers out there will credit this with being one of those experiences that alerted and then was reinforced. And, you know, even movies like, what is it, 28 Days, things like that, you learn a similar type of message. It's delivered on almost all fronts. People are the scary bit, but hey, we keep on forgetting about it and it's a compelling story. Like it yeah. really is. Oh yeah. Man, I'm I'm like, look, I'm stoked for what's to come. Who knows how long we're going to have to wait for a season 2 to happen. Uh, that's the one shitty part about these uh HBO shows. Sometimes it's like 2 years in between seasons. Uh but, you know, seeing how they portrayed this commune compared to where Tommy is was very cool. I kind of like the yeah the the juxtaposition juxtaposition between the two, right? And the yep. the, the yin and yang of the two. Um, and then you know seeing where we're going to be going for the second 
season or third season of well, in second game, I should say, uh, and 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 oh. seeing parts of humanity there. Oh my god, it's gonna be crazy. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a wild ride. And again, credit where credit's due. How many times have we seen a video game adaptation fail? This is the story, the template on how to do it right. Yep, exactly. So congratulations to the team um, at HBO. Yep. Because they just knocked it out of the park. They they getting the writers like Neil Druckmann involved and 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 becoming part of the process and whatnot. I think it takes a page out of probably one of the shows we're going to discuss this week, Mandalorian. But it takes a page out of that with having Dave Filoni directly involved in that live action stuff from going from the cartoons and whatnot, another medium, a lot of the same way that you're writing a video game and bringing them into live action. Smart move, smart play. Right? It's the pairing of a TV guy with, you know, the exact producer of Chernobyl, a a proven Mm -hmm. TV guy. Uh, and a proven video game person and letting them actually collaborate and create magic, right? Like, that's that's the formula. I don't understand why comic book movies can't do this. I don't understand, you know, like, uh, they bring on people, but sometimes it's the wrong people, uh, you know, for consulting. But, you see, this is the formula that should work. People who understand yeah. the source material and people who understand the medium that they're going to be using. Yeah, and that's a really good point, with especially with comic books, because I think a lot of the time you can read a comic book and you can get a totally different experience out of it than maybe what was intended. It's almost like it's being it's reading it and maybe taking it too literal, uh, maybe putting your own emotions into characters, reading between the lines, things like that. And there's a lot of people who do get it. Yep. But I think at the end of the day, I think a movie movie person's perspective on writing this stuff is such that they, they make a list or they have an idea of what they want to achieve with it. And that might be at odds with what the actual message is with the comic. And like not only at odds, but exact opposites. You know what yep. I mean? Like... Sometimes it just feels like that, and then you you bring on this person as a consultant, and let's say they give you their advice, but if the studio and the executives aren't going to be beholden to following that advice, yeah, 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 squawk, 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 I'm going to do this now because this is my project, and I need to put my name on it, and that makes it mine, and I think ego's getting there, man. Look, it could work. Chris Nolan proved that that works, doing mm-hmm. exactly what you said. Um, you know, he his ver- his version of Batman was far different than anything we've seen, and vast not vastly different, but different enough from the source material. Then you have the Snyderverse, exact same thing, and mm-hmm. but that's just like you know, uh, Zack Snyder just basically said, "No, this is mine, and and and." This is my interpretation of it. And, you know, you get the difference between the Nolanverse and the Snyderverse. Yeah. But I, I think in both those cases, they do, both guys have a passion for it. I'm more concerned about some of the other properties that get, you know, adapted and just train wrecks. <laughs> yeah, for sure. 
Some people don't you understand the, the source material, right? Yeah, and that's that's my biggest thing. And I'm pretty sure that the creators are probably involved in some consultation. <laughs> They're just locked in a room, given a, a, a food, and, and <laughs> they throw away the key, right? It's yep. just like, oh, let's let them figure it out. <laughs> We're not listening to them. So here's a fun little stat. So yesterday's episode of The Last of Us, episode 8, in its premiere... Its first showing at 9 p.m. Eastern on HBO reaches 8.1 million viewers. That's a season high. They've gone up 74% from the series debut. How crazy is that? That's very impressive. This, This was one of the times that I normally stay up late on Sunday nights. And wait for it to appear on my legitimate <coughs> plex. But I decided, you know what? I'm going to bed. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna avoid social. <laughs> Just yep. Do a daytime watch on this one because yeah, that's amazing though. Great numbers. Congratulations. Great numbers. Amazing numbers. Love to see that. Uh, you know, it's hit. It's for sure hit the mainstream. That's for damn sure. While well, we're talking. When I, Go ahead. When my team's chat lights up at work today and two of the chats are about The Last of Us and no one's ever brought it up to me before and they already know I know all about it. Yeah. <laughs> They're just like, one of the guys is overseas in Ireland and he's just like, Phil, um, <laughs> I had to watch this pretty late last night. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's oh. crazy. It's crazy. Um. While we're talking TV, let's talk shrinking. What a show. Honestly, it, it kind of sucks that it is on Apple TV Plus because I don't know how many people pay attention to what's on Apple TV Plus. I've never seen numbers. It's hard to get a gauge. Obviously, people watch Apple TV Plus because, you know, shows like um, Ted Lasso Ted are doing Lasso. fantastic, <laughs> uh, you know, and whatever. But. Mythic Quest. Mythic Quest, yep. Do not sleep on shrinking. It is such a good show. Harrison Ford honestly just kills me. His character is amazing. I'll say this. This week, I'd say Bella Ramsey from our last story, Last of Us, deserves a Grammy for that episode, especially the last 10 minutes. Or Emmy, sorry. Emmy for that in the last 10 minutes. I would say Harrison Ford deserves an Emmy for this week's episode of Shrinking because that was some of the most intense drama that I've seen from an actor. I did not see it coming from him. I expected him to be the carmungel dude who's old on the show, which he's been doing like an ace. Yeah. But this confrontation with his daughter in that show was so emotional and so powerful to me that for this little shrinky dink com a comedy, man, it's got legs. Like, whew. Oh, such a good show, people. I it I, really is. I so can't good. spoil it. You can watch the trailer for it. It basically is like Jason Seagal saying that he's going to start leveling with his patients. And then chaos begins and you just get into the lives of these people. And they're they're therapists, and you realize that they have 
you know, crappy, weird lives too. And they, yeah, it's an interesting comedy slash drama, dramatic ride along for all of their escapades. Yep. And some of them are more relatable than others, but they're all very good at being awkward. <laughs> yes. If anything, that's for damn it, sure. it reminds me a lot of Ted Lasso season two. Yes. Because season it, it really two does. was a lot of stuff about the therapy and character growth. And if still happy, but still just had these episodes that hit. And yeah, same with shrinking. And it's the same writing crew. Like there's elements of that writing crew. The guy who plays Roy Kent is one of is one of the writers of Shrinking. And he's also a writer on Ted Lasso. I exactly. forget the guy's yep. name. And you can you Hercules. can see that influence, right? Um, yep. Especially like when when I say like they're both ha at the core of it happy go lucky shows right yeah there's drama yep. yeah shit's gonna hit the fan but at the end of the day they're just happy shows and that's really why I loved Ted Lasso so much because you know there's just so much I don't even want to say negativity but just so many things that can get you down when watching TV even shows like Last of Us sometimes right um, it's yep. always fun to just watch a show that just at the core of it makes you happy. That's that's exactly it. it. It's such a a relief each week. Brett Goldstein. Um, it's such a relief each week to turn on a show and know that you're going to have a smile on your face. Maybe you'll have a tear in your eye, but it's going to be a healthy tear. And the show is going to earn it. It's not going to be a cheap. It's not going to be a cheap cry. Yeah. So... You know, it, it, a little heartache, whatever. You don't have to tear up. You just got to feel something. And and you still get the little hit of happiness. The week before, Harrison Ford was drunk and high. Probably some of the funniest stuff I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, yeah, that last episode, yeah. Uh, previous to Fridays. Yeah, dude, it was yeah. so good. So funny. Eating the Doritos. <laughs> just... Oh man, there's so many moments. So so subtle. Not a big deal, but just so well done. It's just the details, man. <laughs> yep. Speaking of Ted Lasso, that's coming out next Wednesday. Really looking forward to that. I think this season's gonna be very different. Uh, but you know, again, I, I think that it will be very good at the same time. They've been saying that there was only intended three seasons, and yep. this is the third season. However, there is chatter. A season four might be happening because those numbers we don't see um, must be very good on Apple TV. Must be. And they seem to be doubling down on Saka because uh, they've got the MLS season pass on there too, of which we are subscribed yep. as season's ticket holders. So it's interesting to see all the different things that Apple are doing. And all the different areas that they are spreading their wings into. I yeah. think they have severance too, right? Uh, they do. They do. That's a big feather in their hat. They have some good movies there as well. Yep. Uh, you know, they've 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 they have a good track record on Apple. Like they really do. Yeah, they're not like Netflix who typically greenlights a show, gets you all amped about it, and then pulls the plug on it. They they just released uh 
season three of Mythic Quest. So, like, this is some quality programming. For me, it's one of my better value services. I'm debating cutting Netflix, and I'm going to keep Apple TV and Disney. Like, it's it's kind of crazy. Those those would probably be two that I wouldn't think I'd go be going hard on. But well, what helped Disney right was the whole star right getting yep. all their TV stuff there. Uh, it really expanded outside of just Disney, seeing a lot of the Fox shows and whatnot there. So that that kind of helped it overall. Yeah, and this whole Wednesday update. So you get like the new Bob's Burgers. You get the new How I Met Your Father. You get the new. You know what I mean? Like. Wednesday's hit on Disney Plus and all of the titles update for the week shows. So it's like if you miss a live to air, no problem. It's, it's going to show up on Apple TV, right? It's 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 a good little system that they got going on on that side, but you know, my my biggest dig is that little that little tab called Star Wars. <laughs> Cuz I've been watching the Bad Batch too, right? Season 2 of the Bad Batch has been Something that I've been digging into, I don't really talk about it too much because it is a little bit of a kid show, but yep. it it's more up the alley of where we wanted the Bad Batch to go season one is happening in season two. I know. That's what I'm hearing. I'm waiting for all of it to release and then I'm going to just uh, binge it, but I yeah, keep I'm hearing, hearing this week's season two is, is exactly what we wanted out of season one. A bit It's still a kiddie show, kiddie-esque yep. show, still kid-friendly. But it is a little more story-driven, a little more serious than season one was. That's what I keep hearing. A little more about the transition from clones to stormtroopers. A little more about some of the other IP being brought in. Jedi Fallen Order has an episode in this. In terms of they go to a world that had some Zepho on it. And get caught up in some conundrums due to that just like the video game and it was so funny because people who haven't played the video game are calling it out on twitter going another filler episode and the all of us who played the video game were like that was awesome yeah <laughs> that was just like it was just so much and they didn't ever once say the word zepho in there it was just those who knew knew and it was it was interesting but Apparently, this week's episode is unbelievable. Now, they, they released, I think, the first 13 episodes to some of the podcasters and show reviewers on YouTube. And then the last two episodes, they withheld. This one was the last one, I believe, that the previewers got to see. Right. So, kudos to everybody for not spoiling it. I know that you committed to it, but I'm glad to see that you actually went through with it from what I can tell. And, uh, yeah, I'm kind of excited to see it, if anything, close up so that I just feel less pressure to be glued to my television on a Wednesday morning. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, I'm working. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Right. Uh, that's sometimes when I get my the best TV in is like right before work, right like you know during my breaks between meetings or something like that. Yeah, lunch break. You know, it's like, oh, okay, great. As long as Mandalorian keeps on clocking in around half an hour, I'm good. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mandalorian. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. That'll kind of be mm-hmm. our main thing. So if people haven't noticed this week, it's just Phil and I. Uh, the 
Tyler isn't feeling the best this week, so he asked us to kind of uh, go ahead. And we were planning some episodes and some topics, uh, topics to yours. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think this week we're just we're just doing like a catch up because they're really like you you summed it up best, Phil. Because really, it's been a very quiet week overall. It has. I kind of let any of the video game stuff out at the top. Um, if anything, I thought that we were going to talk about the streaming service stuff. I think this was our week to do that, but there's no point in doing it without Tyler because his contribution exactly. uh, would be immense on it. So, yep. you know, we, I think we do our audience justice by doing this little uh, uh, exchange this way and just yeah. putting the effort out there to get an episode out to entertain everyone. Exactly. Uh, and honestly, I've just been so busy and I took the weekend off. Like I really not off. I, okay. I, I spent it by my, like did my, did my own thing. Uh, so that was really needed, really fun. Um, so that's, yeah, I that's, don't know how you do the podcast you do, dude. <laughs> I don't either. Honestly, I don't either. Uh, it's insane. I know. Creed three. So I watched Creed three on Thursday I really liked it. I really, really enjoyed it. It has the same formula as every other Rocky movie. What I really appreciate about Creed and Rocky movies and any movie that comes out that clocks in in around two hours is the fact that it clocks in in around two hours. Uh, I was having this conversation <laughs> with people where it's just becoming becoming a huge task to watch a movie sometimes. You know, when you're being asked for a three-hour movie you know, yeah. in one sitting, in a theater, blah, 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 blah. It's a lot to ask for sometimes. Dank and moist. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree. I, like, people phobic aside, for me, uh, it, it it's just too much because, you know, the older I get, the more I'm on meds that make me go to the washroom. So if I don't have a pause button, man, <laughs> there's no way. No way. But it, as well, I think that a lot of it has to do with, I'm curious to know. Doesn't have a lot to do with like uh, TikTok of the world. The, the the short attention span. The I think so. The YouTube, I think, the YouTube shorts, the, I, the, the reels, as I the think. kids are saying. What really started this, and I actually talked about this on another podcast, uh, that was Twitter, was really the when things really start changing, right? When you had 120 mm. or whatever it was, characters to get your idea across, right? So everything yeah. became micro at that point. Around yeah. the same little few years later, you had things like Vine, right? Where it was only yeah. a few seconds, and that's how we consume a lot of media now, right? It's it, and like I don't know about you, but like personally, I used to hate pausing the movie and watching it after because I had something to do, right? But now mm -hmm. I frequently do that. Like I'll pause the movie in the middle, do whatever I have to do, and come back to it when I have the time again. Yep, I I I just find that right now I'm on that journey of. Okay, I don't have TikTok and I probably never will. But I've seen YouTube shorts come up. And in that same line, 
of what you're talking about with Vine and everything like that. I see YouTube shorts come up. I avoid them at all costs because See. I just find that that's garbage and I hate channels that go hard into shorts because it clutters the channel for me to get the good long-form content. And for me personally, I've noticed that in Instagram, the push on reels. And they are addictive and they are a big time sink. I can be sitting there with food in the air fryer or whatever Grab Instagram, go through some reels looking for some fart jokes to send my brother. Yep. And literally, my head looks up, ding, and I'm like, oh, shit, I meant to go and flip that in the middle. You know what I mean? And it's done cooking. Like, I've been sitting here 18 minutes now, and I I only have one fart joke, and I've watched, like, 18 minutes of reels. Dude. You know? <sighs> this happens a lot. My friend and I. All we do is 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 um, pass each other reels or tag each other in reels and stuff and and Facebook stuff and whatnot and it's just like the amount of time I spend looking at this shit is I'm embarrassed to even say how much time like it's so bad it is so bad and there's an effect from that right and that's what I mean like sometimes I sit down and I watch even a half hour show. And I'm tormented. Yep. I feel tormented. And then there's other times, hey, the media is really, really good. And I sit down and then I realize it was two and a half, two hours, 45 minutes of runtime on X shows. You know, I just watched consecutive back to back to back. It was so good. It didn't bother me. But those are also the times that I'm being the most disconnected from my phone. I'm physically moving that phone away. And the worst part for me is that I need my phone to monitor my health sometimes because I wear one of those little blood pocks, right? So yeah. I can get my readings. So even in the theater, I would potentially need to be just, you know, looking at something. Is this going to be a problem for me? You know what I mean? Like I need to just get a quick read or there's an automatic alert if certain thresholds happen and things like that. So we're we're just becoming so the, – the device is becoming so indispensable and it's just that need to always check it. Like, Dude, okay, we're yeah. recording this show. When I record this show, I don't really check um, social media and stuff, right? Yeah, but same here. I usually have my phone beside me just because it's there, right? Right now, mm -hmm. it's far away from me, and I feel so weird knowing that, and I hate that so much. I hate that feeling, uh, the relying on having my phone, and, like, work is one thing, right? But I, I don't even, uh, like, I've turned off all notifications for my work email. I'll check it on my own time. Um, it's just so much clutter, right? Especially yep. now that I only use one phone. Uh, but yeah, it just so the my my my, for lack of a better term, dependency on my phone. It's just ridiculous. I hate it. I hate it so much. Yeah, I think it's a combination of that in our in our brains, and sometimes it's not great film making. Sometimes these guys, these these companies are making long movies because I think it's just what they want to do. They could cut out so much to get the movie down to an hour and a half 
or two hours, but they leave so much in, and maybe it's a little bit of that Snyder cut thing too, where it's like, well, we're going to make all these cuts and leave it on the floor, and then fans are just going to get up in arms. How come we heard about this scene and this is not in it? We want to see, you know, the Avatar person do this, and we want to see that, so let's make it three and a half hours. <laughs> just, okay. The other issue also that we haven't talked about is the streaming services, right? This is actually in my notes for today's episode, or what was going to be today's episode, and that's, you know, our studios, I don't want to say forcing or suggesting, but keeping the door open to directors doing what they want because that's more content on their own services. That's a possibility. That's that's an interesting point too. You know, if if you put it on tape and throw it up there, somebody'll watch it. It's better than not having it at Look all. Look at what Netflix yeah. does, right? Like Netflix green green lights everything under the sun, right? And whatever sticks sticks. Uh, you know, and that's the difference with like we just mentioned earlier between Netflix and like a dis and an Apple, right? Um, yeah. Right. Apple is very selective about their projects. Yeah, and Netflix. Hey, man, like I'm not complaining about it, but Sandman's the only show I've seen that had like extra content. <laughs> they dropped episodes like a week later. It was fantastic. Yeah. That was crazy when they did that. <laughs> I loved it. Just loved it. Both stories were so good, too. Gotta yeah. Say. Oh, yeah. Can't wait for that next season. I know. Thank goodness it got greenlit. So, yeah. I feel lucky. I feel very Did lucky. Did you see over the weekend uh, the whole Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and oh. uh, all the villains and the characters and... And all that fun stuff. Did you did you notice that? Oh yeah, oh yeah. There's a little bit of green ooze yep. that came out of me. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing, like I used to always say this about comic book movies, and I know I've been proven wrong now. But before, and it was always difficult. And I found that the more characters in a particular movie, kind of that's when movies went south. For example. Batman and Robin. We had the three heroes, Batman, Robin, Batgirl, and then you had, you know, you had uh, Mr. Freeze, Poison Ivy, and Bane. So it was, you know, <laughs> like just a lot of a lot of characters. And it always went, you know, you 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 bring that up against, you know, Batman like a Batman Returns. You know, where it was just three characters total, or Batman, where it was just two characters, right? So more was more. And and I found that the more characters you had, it was harder for you two focus and get a real story and blah 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 yep. blah blah, right? X Men kind of had that issue as yep. the franchise, like the original trilogy, as the franchise became more popular. That was one of many issues. <laughs> well, yes, one of many issues. Anyways, so what I'm getting at here is with this Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I'm interested and curious to see just how they're gonna work all this in because you have. Bebop and Rocksteady, you have Genghis Frog, you have Leatherhead, you have Mondo Gecko, you have Ray Fillet, you have Wingnut, Baxter Stockman, uh, you know, yeah. then you have um, Krang and others. Oh, man, I didn't realize that. It's, 
Hey, just to just to add to your list of superhero movies that get watered down with with volume, The Eternals. <laughs> Sorry, big one. That's a that probably one of the. Big I just issues. needed to take another kick at that one. <laughs> Black Widow also had that issue. Yeah, did actually. Among Disney, others, <laughs> I'm, I'm just pointing it out because like I'm like Disney aren't immune to it either. But yeah, that's a that's a full scope and it's animated. So the good news is, because it's animated, they can do that. The, the, you're right in pointing out, is there the writing chops to pull that off, though? Because <laughs> that right. is a lot. So we're going to be looking at some kind of greatest hits thing. And the I don't thing know. is, like There's some of these characters some might be very minor. They might make just make a quick appearance. It might right? be cameos. But yeah. You know, I'm assuming Baxter Stockman is going to be the main villain. I'm just assuming. That seems to be yeah. how they go. Giancarlo Esposito is playing Baxter Stockman. Cannot wait for that. Mm. Nice. Right? Good talent on that. Oh, yeah. They and it's some... Actually, the, the turtles are voiced by actual teenagers. The turtles? Yes, they are. Fantastic. That's, yep. that's a great idea. Yep, I just yeah. think overall, I, I I saw the one of our friends that we've done a couple shows with, the comic book couples counsel, counseling, Brad and Lisa, they tweeted out because they're in Seattle at the Comic-Con this weekend and they were flying home, but they were excited about this and tweeted out the trailer for it. So I watched the trailer on my cell phone. So I, I saw all the names going slapping on in the last bit couldn't make them out because I watched it in portrait. So it's yeah. like widescreen portrait and posted stamp. Yep. But, so that's coming up yeah. August 4th. Really looking forward to that. Um, looks cool. I'm excited for this, right? Like I love TMNT. We don't talk yep. about and give TMNT the love that it res- that it deserves because uh, there hasn't really been much content for it. No, it's been quiet and I'll be honest, I'm one of those guys that I actually fell in love with the original black and white thing yeah the original um adult language turtles uh from eastman laird um those ones were my safe place and i was lucky enough at my comic shop to get my hands on a few of those original issues and also get my you know what every fan did at the time is buy those turtle omnibuses right yes they're just all the black and white and some of them are colorized Things like that. But all the turtles had red bandanas. Yeah. And I had a tough time because when they launched the, it would have been at a time, I think, where you were a little more susceptible as the target market. But they Nickelodeoned the the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, right? And they, they, they got to be that kind of the play school toys that came out and the cowabunga dude yep. kind of they thing. Became- and the turtles that we know, not the more adult version. Yeah, it's more of the, the pop culture pizza and, you know, like all those little things, which is fine. I, I'm happy to have the party bus include everybody. I'm not one of these people that's, but for me, the turtles will always be this hard-edged, you know, hardcore, foul-mouthed, um, challenge teenagers that are struggling to find their identity in the world 
and wanting to kick ass and take numbers, you know, and, and that's what they do. So Casey Jones and Shredder and April O'Neil and everything were very gruff and gritty characters to me. And then when I saw the, the cartoony versions and the Henson production ones, I was just like, it's a feat of magic, but yeah. it's also a little bit alien to well, me. Well, the first movie was a little more adult. Yeah, it was a little more on point. Right. But I, I just like those themes, right? And Have you, you can't do it. Ever read? And I think you, like, you just talking about, like, you know, you like the more rugged adult uh, version of the Turtles. Did you read uh, The Last Ronin? So that was released a couple years ago, and it is by Eastman and Laird. No, I will have to go and check this out. Now. Dude, it the is honestly so good. Essentially, all the turtles are dead except for one. Oof. That sounds like it's up my alley. Yeah, it's so good. Such Who a good read. And I would love for this to be turned into a movie. Uh, I don't know if they would ever do it because it is so violent. It is it, like it's yeah, adult. This is good. John and, Wick. You know, if you know anything about Eastman and Laird, the fact that they're working together again is huge. Is mind blowing in itself because yeah. that's like that's like Jesus making up with Judas, like, right? Well, <laughs> it's, that's it, the it thing, is. right? Like, and, and what you described in terms of the. Kidification, the Nickelodeonification of the turtles is essentially what broke up Eastman and Laird. Yeah, yeah, I I saw that episode on the Netflix. The, the they had an episode the toys about that, this in one uh, of their in the yeah. toys that made us. Yes, um, they had a full episode on that war between Eastman and Laird and how bad it got. And I just remember the story that got me so excited about the store the 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 turtles. Was, and it's just like going into a video game shop or the way going into a video, video game shop was is that you talk to the guy behind the counter and he would tell you what he wanted you to know to get you to buy it. And it was like this was done by a bunch of guys who were out drinking at the bar and they were so hammered and they came up with this idea about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and they made some sketches on some bar napkins, and then they woke up the next morning and looked at these bar napkins and went, that's not bad. You know, there's something there. I, I want to go draw this now. I want to go flesh it out. Yep. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. I know that watching the Eastman Laird thing, Laird thing, it was a little bit, there was some accuracy to it, but that, that got me hooked on, I need to get this book. Where do you keep, like, is it in alphabetical order here? Because I got to go, I got to go grab that. Is yeah, fantastic for a kid my age at that time reading Sandman. This was like my counterweight for funnies, but just really violent. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, and you know what's funny? Like Eastman and Laird still don't fully get along, right? Like they no, they never will. They'll work together ish, but it's yeah, very money. very rare for them to even do interviews together. Uh, they did an interview recently. Uh, uh, on on some show, and again, it's so so rare for them to to come together. It just it's so sad too, right? Such an iconic piece of pop culture, or the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, 
and uh, just seeing, you know, it was very, very, very chasing Amy of them, the way that they broke up. Very. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so... That's that. Yeah, so really, really looking forward to the TMNT. I love, like, I, I love the property. That uh, so really getting something, some new content back is going to be really, really, really cool. Um, are you watching any other Star Trek shows? Uh, I've only watched the first episode of Picard. Yep. I have to go back and open up the other two um i like i was saying i believe i skipped season two i watched season one i skipped season two but i started watching season three just because i'm i'm social pressure (laughs) and i've just been wanting to to go down memory lane but yeah episode one had had bite to it i liked it i liked what i saw a lot of a lot of cameos coming out of the blue cameos which i'm really enjoying yeah, I know on the commercial I saw data. Yep. <laughs> yep. So Brent Spiner. Um that was my only time going to a Star Trek convention. The only real nerd convention I went to. Brent Spiner was the guest speaker there. I like Brent Spiner. He's a very smart guy. I do too. All right. We're at the hour mark. One last thing to talk about. You know what that is. Let's talk some Mandalorian season three, episode one. Uh, what you think of the show, man? What you think? Like, I know we kind of talked a little bit, but I tried to keep our our, our comments to a minimum so that we can have the best conversation here. Because, uh, again, it's so funny, right? Like, you and I, I consider you one of my best friends. But we barely talk just because of this this awesome podcast. Yep. Yeah, we, we, we compartmentalize. Um. I first watch of this episode, I had a really tough time. Yes, same. I not. I wouldn't say task, tough, but I liked it. But so, but there were things there was problems. I, I I I had to sit down and try to figure out why i'm having these problems right now well it's very different right like it was a reset it's essentially this isn't a a talk with the doctor about your fiber intake this is a different problem but yes it i got used to andor yeah and that's on me i had zero expectation going into this so i thought i was good and clear and upon that first watching the list of issues that I had. I'm just saying this to the audience so you have context because I have worked past this right now. But the pirates were too piratey. In that space pirate, sure, no problem at all. No problem. But these guys look like they just came out of the pirates of the Caribbean. Like like they look like Johnny Depp or whatever is gonna be around the corner sniping at them like Jack Sparrow is going to be like no you don't and Grogu with the Babu Frick people was so telegraphed yes it was a cameo that was too cameo yeah 
I get what they're trying to do. And it is Star Wars. They do this stuff. But, man, I was cringing at that because Grogu looked like a Muppet to me in this episode. That was the and, first thing that you and I said was, okay, yeah, episode full reset of the show. This really set the 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 the, the table for what this season is going to bring. Okay, I can live past that. But the special effects seemed off in this episode at times. Yeah, like like there was times that the pirate, the head pirate guy, his face looked good, and then there was times that they did certain cuts, and it was so clearly a prosthetic mask. Like it was like weird for me. Um, the space whales, a cringe moment, but maybe there's a reason for it. I even well, had like you know I had people so confused because there's people watching it going, Doctor Who had space whales. You know you have, you have space whales in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Why the heck does Star Wars have space whales? Because they're not used to this stuff. They're telling, and then they were complaining about the special effects of that. Yeah, and and then to at the episode's end with the space pirate guy who's Swamp Thing. I don't have a problem with the swamp thing part. I have a problem with the peg leg and the horror mateys and all. like where make them their own thing, have their own vernaculars, separate them from the stereotype, have some more creative fun with it, please. It's space pirates in a galaxy a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So do something that's a little bit, not on the nose, but I also get kids are watching it. So I've de-escalated these points in my mind. I've re-watched it after a little bit of palate cleansing. Is it the best season opener we've had? No, they have two strong ones. Is it the worst out of the three? Yes. But is it bad? No. No. It's now I'm thinking it's Star Wars. Of course, they're going to go back and try to get IG-80 or IG-11 back up and going because you know it's why star not wars. start doing look no nothing's dead in star wars it's star wars the the, the yep. land of coincidences and cheesiness and we just need to remember and kind of just it's star wars right um yeah i'm totally the, okay with weird off the wall monsters i'm totally okay the alligator was a little bit off-putting to me because i'm like it's an alligator merged with a snapper a snapping turtle shell like, that's it? it? Like, a crate dragon was at least we finally got to see a crate dragon. You know, after all of this lore and the crate dragon bones in Tatooine and in A New Hope, I love those connective tissue moments. This one was trying to do connective tissue to the Mandalorian. The reason why IG-11 or IG-11 was so cool is because we all saw IG-88 in Empire Strikes Back, and we wanted to see how that freaking thing moved. We wanted to see how it fought. Why is that thing on that platform with Boba Fett? You know, that's where our minds were as kids, and any kid's minds were that see that movie now. And you get to see it in The Mandalorian Season 1. And they're already like, oh, okay, well, we seem to go over all the original trilogy stuff and we're going to try to stay away from everything else yep. except for the worst movie and the babu frick people which was probably the only thing that had levity in the show 
<laughs> they brought it into this. So here's not my complaint. So you, you and I kind of talked about our complaints, right? As special effects yeah. was, eh. Uh, the the you know the resetting of the story. Okay, we can live with it. But here's the thing, right? Star Wars had balls. They yeah. have balls for what they did here. Because uh, if you don't care about Boba Fett, which is would be weird. But if, if you don't, if you didn't watch that show, the book of Boba Fett, if you ignored a lot of the other stuff, and you're only watching the Mandalorian because you love Grogu. You turn this on, and you're like, what the hell did I miss? <laughs> right? Yep. So that's 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 one issue right there was uh, kind of like. You I know, had that complaint. Right? It's like, <laughs> we talk about this with Tyler when we talk about the MCU and how the MCU is walking on eggshells by forcing you to watch everything. And now Star Wars is doing the same. Right? Maybe Liam Neeson yep. does have a point. Maybe there are too many spin-offs. And I'm you know, here's the thing. I'm okay with having a lot of spin-offs. It's making you forcing you to watch everything. Yeah. That's a bit of an issue. Because Look, here they yep. did it they did it even in this episode, right? By the space whales. Uh, you know, because you know that they're telegraphing the return of Ezra and all that. Yep. And Thrawn. So yep. this is but that's probably going to be telegraphed for Ahsoka. Yeah, but right, which will like probably have an episode, a spin-off sneaky yep. pilot in this season. Yeah, I know exactly and and that's the that's where it goes to your complaint. The only good thing that I can see out of it is it's making people really think of this as the Filoniverse or the the Mandoverse. So it's like yeah, you need to watch all these things, and they aren't as prolific as some other shows on streaming services. They do take their time, and they are putting them out consciously. So it's like, oh, you mean I need to go watch this now? Okay, well, I got a week until that show drops, so I'll go binge it. So there is a little bit of a path of redemption there. But I am most excited for just that scene alone with Bo-Katan. Where this story is probably going to end up going is going to make it an epic season. Yes. Because, uh, you know, you know me, I was geeking the heck out when we saw the live action, um, the bombing of Mandalore, right? With all those TIE bombers, which they brought out a Lego TIE bomber. <laughs> this I love TIE bombers. They're so cool. I know. And well, if you're going to buy it in Lego, buy it this year. Because the last one was 2002 when they when they made one. So it's not a prolific model for them. But seeing that and seeing the, the how they turn Mandalore into glass and just the whole Empire's thing and knowing Bo-Katan's story in there and her sister Satine's story in there and everything like that is just going to be a treasure trove of hopefully instead of these cheap callbacks that they're doing that we're pointing out with uh, with this episode, we're going to get awesome callbacks to some of this stuff, which I'm excited for. So, you know, ham it up all you want, guys. I'm not going to I'm not going to dog your episode too much. I'm just giving you my honest reactions. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like these are 100 kind of initial wave. <laughs> it was good. Right. Oh, dude, I Laughed at how they explained Cara Dune's exit. 
Oh, I know, right? She's busy she doing got sheriff up by, stuff. Because <laughs> she she got a new job at the was, Republic. She got a new job as at the Galactic Rangers was supposed to be her spin-off show. So they yeah. actually mentioned it in the universe and bounced out of doing the show. <laughs> <laughs> She's gotta be sitting there like, oh God, no. <laughs> like, oh, so funny. Who's your franchise, so girl? <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I did think it was interesting because Navarro wasn't even recognizable to me. Like, well, okay. Navarro so looked into... like, this is a complaint I have. Navarro looked like Galaxy's Edge. Yes. It looked it like did. a giant ad for Galaxy's Edge to me. It really did. Now, the other thing is, and this is why I don't like when things aren't specifically mentioned in canon. Right, And this happens so much with Star Wars, where the writers, directors, whomever, give you tidbits about what's supposed about the show and the canon of the show outside of the show. For example, they were talking, uh, uh, John Favreau was mentioning that the time in between, you know, that that Grogu was was with Luke was two years. So that explains Navarro. But, you know, but... But a lot of other stuff don't add up, right? When you when you yep. start throwing actual time in in this, uh, and if it's not in, if it's not on screen to me, it's not in canon. Yeah, well, it's open to interpretation, right? There's going to be a comic, and then people buy the comic, and then they'll adapt it for a show, and change everything, <laughs> and then that canon's more canon than the comic canon or right? the book canon. So, I look. I, I I enjoyed seeing Grief Cargo with the little robots holding the back of his cape, and Grand Chancellor instead of Chancellor and stuff like this. Like there was but all kinds of fun Star play. Wars humor and it's, though, sometimes. And I did enjoy. I thought the 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 whole IG eighty eight Terminator two thing was a little bit cringy for me. A little bit too. Uh, I just thought it was hilarious to see Terminator meets Rocky because, what is it, uh, Apollo Creed actually had a statue in this one, and that's what destroyed the bronze statue of Grief Karga took out the robot, and yeah. he never had a statue like Rocky did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good old Carl Weathers. There was a couple, there's all kinds of little jibs and jabs in there to other pop culture. So it was kind of cringy, but it was also like, I'm okay with it. It was a little bit of a fun laugh, right? Like, it just felt like there was maybe too much comedy at certain points. Like, and the things that were supposed to be serious, I ended up laughing at even harder. So, that that experience was weird. It really was. And I'm going to watch it again before I watch episode two. And I think that... uh, yeah, I, th- I think I think we're 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 this season's gonna be good. Yeah, and uh, I w- I will recommend if you watch it again. I watched it with a um set of headphones in Dolby Atmos, like uh, a Dolby Atmos decoder, and pff, gotta say the sound design was awesome that way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, but overall, I'm really looking forward to this season. I know it sounded like we were a little negative, uh, but uh, I really enjoyed it. It was and, and just the, a little bit of a culture shock. Yeah, a little bit of 
uh, once I, I got my toes in now, so I'm ready to go for the full swim now. Yep, exactly. Exactly. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm in. I'm really enjoying this. All right, Phil. So, yeah, we'll be talking more as the see as the episodes come out. We're not going to go as in depth as we usually do, but mm. kind of give you our thoughts, chat stuff, and then I think you know what we're going to do is have like a a retrospective episode once the season is over, uh, like we've done in the past. I think we should try that out with uh, the Last of Us. Yes. Well, I I think the Last of Us. Um offers a lot of opportunity because we we have the experience with the game so always good for insight yep. as do our audience so exactly all right you know what time it is phil i sure do let's see if i can actually get this right this week shall we if you're looking for a website you can hit us up at www.itscanonpodcast.com you can track us down on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at It's Canon Podcast. You can email us at show at itscanonpodcast.com. You can subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, patreon.com slash SNME uh, radio. And uh, really anywhere you find podcasts, you're going to find us there. But please check out that Patreon if you could, especially if you like wrestling, because I'm telling you, it's a great place a lot of news and a lot of updates um yeah if you like what you hear make sure to leave a you know leave a subscribe button or uh, a like subscribe if you can tell your friends about the it's can podcast awesome thank you so much for that phil thank you for listening to the it's can podcast the show where we chat about anything and everything including books comics video games tv movies lego and so much more and the best part of it all is that it is in canon. He's Phil. I'm Boris. Thank you for listening. And until next time.